Welcome back to the Shoot It Straight podcast, my friends. Today, I'm interviewing my friend Leah O'Connell, and we are talking all about family photography in home. So for those of you that are photographers out there, this episode is specifically for you. Leah and I both do the very big, large bulk of our business as family photographers. And we're talking all about the ins and outs. We're really specifically leaning into what people are so scared of, right? If you're a photographer and you have always been intrigued by in-home sessions, but you have questions and you're curious and you're not sure how it works, this episode is for you. Also, we're talking about why clients hesitate to book in-home sessions. So again, this is important for the photographers listening because you need to be able to speak to those fears in order to market these sessions and grow this part of your business. So if you have ever been interested in in-home photography, or maybe you've already gotten started, but you're wanting to get better and make it a larger part of your business, this chat is for you. Welcome to the Shoot It Straight podcast. I'm your host, Sabrina Gebhardt. Here, I will share an honest take on what it's like to be a female creative entrepreneur while balancing business, motherhood, and life. Myself, along with my guests, will get vulnerable through honest conversations and relatable stories because we're willing to go there. If you're trying to find balance in this exciting place you're in, yet willing to talk about the hard stuff too, the Shoot It Straight podcast is here to share practical and tangible takeaways to help you shoot it straight. Welcome back to the Shoot It Straight podcast, friends. Today, I'm chatting with my friend Leah O'Connell, and we are talking all about something that we're both super passionate about, and that's in-home photography sessions. Uh, she and I both shoot a lot in home. That's what makes up the bread and butter of our business, and I know that this is going to be a really fun chat. Oftentimes on the podcast, it's, we don't talk about photography specific things, but today we are. So for all the photographers listening out there, this one is for you. So before I dive in, um, I'm going to let my guest introduce herself to the audience. So Leah, please tell us where you are, what you do and share a little bit about your business. Hi, thanks for having me on to talk about this. It's one of my very favorite things. <laughs> um, I'm Leah. I am based in Charlottesville, Virginia. I'm a mom of three. I've been photographing technically since I was 16. I started in some mall portrait studio business, which was its own brand of exciting. <laughs> but um, I learned a lot about what I didn't want to do and took a lot of that experience. That's sort of a thread through my whole career. So I kind of found my way into in-home photography and just ran hard at it whenever I, I, I discovered how much I loved it. So, um, I know it's something that a lot of people are interested in, but it is scary <laughs> because there's a lot that is out of your control. So I know we're going to talk about that a lot today. Yeah. Yeah. It is scary when you first dive in because it's kind of its own beast, right? It's so unique and different from um, other types of photography. So again, we both specialize in in-home. We both are natural light photographers. So we're using what is available from the sunshine and windows. Uh, we both love it. And I would say in the last 10 years, it's really started to explode as an offering for families and newborns and, and places to have a session. I'd say before 10 years ago, this really was not a thing. Maybe it was a thing in the like 70s, 
celebrity genre. You might see them, you know, in a magazine spread in their home, but for the every day to day person in home photography, wasn't really a thing. Like you said, there's still a lot of family photographers who are interested, but terrified because it is challenging. There's a lot of unique challenges that go with it. On the flip side of that, there's also a lot of clients who feel the same way. A lot of potential people out there, moms like you and me who are like, wow, I mean, I see these images and they look beautiful and honest. And, and I, I love the idea of being at home, but I'm nervous too. So there's nerves and fear on both sides. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. So let's start at the very, very beginning. How long have you been photographing clients specifically in home and how did you get started? Like what prompted that you jumping into that niche and specialty? Yeah. Well, from the very beginning, when I started my business, it was right around 2013. I was always photographing newborns in home, but kind of like you said, like about how people don't really understand what to do. Like it's its own set of skills. That was me too. I was photographing newborns in home, but I was trying to do what I had learned in studio and just like we were doing it with a window in a basket on the floor instead of with a background. But I was like trying to call it lifestyle because we were using natural light, but wasn't really the same. Like it, it wasn't landing. So I was trying to figure out what was missing. And um, most of my families, I was still photographing outdoors for the longest time because that was all that was out there. That was what people expected. And um, I think the big turning point for me was whenever... Um, my daughter was like around 18 months old and I had this discontentment around my work. It just wasn't feeling like I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. And, um, I decided to start a 30 day project in January, 30 days. I'm just going to photograph my life, try to get inspired, figure out what's missing. Um, and I took this one photo of her. My husband was washing her hair, bubbles, and like really close up. Smallest room in our house, fluorescent light, <laughs> terrible, like tiny yellow glow. But I saw that photo and it, my heart just exploded. And it was like this light bulb went off that I was like, oh, I, I need to make more of this kind of thing. I need more of this home like setting, this natural stuff. So there was this weird transition point where I kind of, leaned hard into the documentary side, which is a, another whole set of skills for in-home family photography. It's very different than the lifestyle genre that you and I kind of lean into. And it, it took me a while to kind of find the the blend of that. But I think that's a pretty common story from an artist's perspective of that, following that inspiration arc of it's not going to always be the same. And so I kind of just tried to follow that thread and have landed <laughs> in the last five years with kind of my style. And when it clicks, you just, you just know, you know, you're like, yeah. Oh, I get it. This is, this is the thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I love how you said that specific image sent you kind of hard to the opposite end of the spectrum. Um, and then you landed somewhere in the middle. And I love that you followed that because I think, and this is just a side topic where, that we're not actually going into, but I wanted to mention it. This is something that a lot of 
photographers and also small business owners struggle with is they think that when they start their business, the path that they are on has to be the path that they stay on. And that's absolutely not true. You don't, you're not ever locked into a box um, when you are a creative entrepreneur and you should never feel that way. You should feel the freedom to ebb and flow as your passions change and your season of life changes and all of that. And so I love that you have played with what your what your images look like and what your offerings are and allowed it to land somewhere that you're really excited about. And this is probably not the last shift you'll ever have, right? Like who knows what's next for you because something will happen and it will cause you to have a new interest sparked and to go, you know, another way, which is, which is so fun. Yeah. So much about this is about stamina (laughs) and when staying in, if you're really in photography for the long game, that doesn't mean like I find my thing and I stick with it forever and ever. Amen. It means that you have to like follow you as a changing human being and the different things that you are going to bring to the world. But like you said, is you change as a person and letting that be okay. And letting like others come up behind you and, and take what you're not doing anymore, instead of just holding everything so tightly of like, well, this is my thing. And I just, it has to be my thing because it was once my thing. <laughs> right. What, what brings you the stamina to stay in working in this. Right. Career. Right. I agree. And I do think there's also, um, a little bit of a sweet spot because yes, It is so important to follow your interests and to make sure that what you're doing gives you that sustainability factor, like you said, where you enjoy it enough that you want to keep doing it, but also you need to be doing it long enough that your audience knows what to expect from you. Like, I don't want you to constantly jump all over the map (laughs) once a month for years, right? Like let's, (laughs) let's find something and stick with it for a while. And then if you feel called to something else, you know, it's time to transition. So I'm curious, um, just from a business perspective, are you fully in home at this point or do you still offer things outdoors or other locations? Does it depend on your clients' requests? I mean, I'd say I'd probably have about 70% in home at this point, maybe more. A lot of my outdoor work is just people's backyards (laughs) because I, I like to tell people that I photograph in home and locations that feel like home. Because often I'll have families from out of town or I'll have people who are in transition, like they're building a home or they are in an apartment that's not really doesn't have a home vibe, doesn't have any sentimental ties to them. They're just kind of like there for now, but they don't want to miss the stage of life that they're in. They're just home isn't like really important to them at that point. So in that case, like sometimes it's not a great fit. So I just tell people that if they are looking for an outdoor location in my book, the the background is the least important part of their session. So of course, like from a technical standpoint, you're always thinking about the background, but like mountains and scenic rivers and like that doesn't, like I want it to all sort of fade away and the subjects and them and their connection to be the thing that's at the center. So really it's like, you know, background. I never want the scenery to steal the show for the families of photographing outdoors. Right, right. Okay, I love that. Um, So we're going to go into the, the hesitations and some of the fears at this point. Um, a lot of photographers, again, are super interested and they are also a little bit terrified. And I want to kind of talk through what are some of the most common fears that you hear photographers that are, that are causing them the hesitation to actually even try these sessions or to offer these sessions in their business. What are you hearing? There's two main things. 
that I hear over and over that are the biggest hesitations, I technically three, but one is light and space. So the, what I'm working with, what if the home's too dark? What if it's too small? I can't get window light in good, good places of the home. Light and space is one. And the second is posing naturally because a lot of our posing instruction, if you are an outdoor photographer, lends itself to playfulness and movement. And what if I can't really do those things? It's just like a whole different set of skills for posing. So that's that's kind of like what I work with people most on is like how to find the light and how to direct in a way that fits the home, not trying to, you know, make a square peg fit into a round hole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. So I definitely, I mean, lighting is probably the biggest thing that I hear. I would love to know how you approach coaching somebody through that. If their biggest hang up is but I'm so used to shooting outdoor at sunset and I know what the light's like and I know how to use it. And I know flare and backlighting and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. How do I translate that to an in-home session? Like how can I possibly still get light and airy or light filled images or play with light in unique ways? If I'm in a home, you know, how are you encouraging that and coaching them through that? There's a couple crucial steps that you have to take to start getting yourself used to the the difference because you're not getting the same kind of light. So the first is just get equipped, equip yourself, do model calls that aren't necessarily ideal situations. Um, A lot of times we're like, this is what I want it to look like. And so I'm going to perfect every single detail. So it looks like that. And then you get into a real life situation where those elements aren't controlled and you don't know how to handle it. So I kind of encourage people to do things that are really outside of their comfort zone in terms of like the homes that you're working in and, and play with how, how you can like, uh, challenge your style and your skill set to work in those alternative environments. Um, because you can read and watch videos and watch people work all day long, but practice is always going to be the thing that teaches you like down to the core foundationally. So you can always grab from those things in your toolbox. And then as far as like the technicalities of it for window light, I think people get hung up on the room before we look for the light and you have to go the other way around. Like it has to be find the light, even if it's a laundry room, find the light, even if it's you're opening the front door and sitting in the hallway, (laughs) like there's always an option and the light has to just come first. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that is something when I am leading a session at one of my mastermind retreats, that is the biggest takeaway that most people have is we will shoot this family in the most random places if mm-hmm. need be, like stairwells, pockets of light on the floor, you know, we'll move furniture around and the light does come first. And there are a few exceptions to that. If you walk in and there's this beautiful inspirational kitchen that you're like, I really want a kitchen shot and the light's not the best. You can make this work to tell part of the story, but you can't let that space and the design and the the beauty or the cool story vibe that it has, you can't let the space dictate the majority of the session, right? Like it can play a part, but it can't play the majority because light is what matters. Right. And, um, I also think there's something to be said about, I love that you said you recommend model calls and having them just 
play with it in real life situations. Like you are not ever going to really be able to pick up the technical side of this until you're doing it. Like you have Mm -hmm. to flex that muscle. You have to practice. And another thing that comes from practicing and the model calls is the confidence to walk into a home and tell clients, Hey, this random stairwell or this bathroom is gorgeous lighting. We're going to shoot your session right here, you know, and not feel like they're an imposter or that their clients are looking at them weird because the confidence matters, the confidence to go in and be able to say, just trust me on this. The light is beautiful. I will make your family look beautiful, but we're going to be in the bathroom. (laughs) I think a lot of people get hung up on that too, because of what they see as like templates for family photos in home. And a lot of that is like on the master bed and in the, you know, beautiful couch and, and I, again, like to have people enter it into like a different mentality of like in your own life, in your own inspiration, do your kids ever sit on the floor with you in the middle of like the, you know, random, like random hallway? Yeah. (laughs) So why wouldn't you try to infuse that into your family session? It's actually more natural to go in those strange nooks and crannies of the home rather than trying to be like, okay, how many times does your whole family pile on top of the master bed? Like very rarely, you know, (laughs) at least maybe not, but um, it's okay to kind of take those inspirations from your daily life and pull them into the posing that kind of hits the second element of, of this. People are like, well, you know, isn't this weird? Like you said, like, are we going to really shoot in the bathroom? Well, one of the most inspiring images I ever took of my daughter was in the bathroom. So I'm going to bring that and not feel bad about it because I know my clients need that. That's part of the reason we're in the home in the first place. Right. Right. And there's also something to be said again about being the authority over your clients and having them trust you. They are much more likely to trust you when you have that confidence of being able to walk into a space doing a tour of the home when you first get there, looking around and saying, okay, guys, we're going to be in these three spaces because the light's amazing. I promise you it's going to be awesome. And they can relax, right? When you have that confidence and that authority and when they can relax, part of that is where you get those relaxed, playful images, right? Like when your client can relax because you've got them, um, that's when you get that that engagement and that interaction that's magical, you know? Okay. So I love that. I would love to talk also really quickly when we're talking about lighting, I don't want to blow past this. Do you have a specific favorite way to use lighting in home or do you still like to play with a variety, right? Are you still playing with side light and backlight and, you know, front light, or do you stick to something that you prefer? I'm just curious. I mean, I think it has to do a lot with style and that's something that you're going to have to figure out in practice. But for me, I find that I'm really drawn to side light. I love shooting clients with side light and like the hard fall off from shadow and things like that. And kind of embracing the moodiness of, of that contrast, which I find like, again, is very different from when you're in an outdoor session, like side light is not really something that you utilize that much. So maybe that's why I'm drawn to it um, because it is so different. Um, and I think that backlight is harder to achieve in homes than it is outdoor, like out, outdoor backlight is queen. It's amazing. And in the home, it's a little harder unless you're shooting film in which that the kind of exposure contrast in that is a different story. But 
I still play with it. I still do lots of silhouetting. I play with um, all kinds of stuff you can do in the home that I think sometimes we assume is not available to us in that environment, but you can play with just as much. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually still shoot backlight quite a bit in home. Um, It was something when I transitioned from outdoor to in home that I was just bound and determined to make work. (laughs) And so I have learned um, how to do it really well. And I do it also in hospital settings for first 48s. Um, Oftentimes backlighting is one of the only available lights there is depending on the window situation. And so you can do anything that you do outdoors, you can do in home. It's just done differently. And so if you are really obsessed with that backlight or, um, getting really creative with lighting with haze and with flare and all that, you can still do all those things. You just have to learn how to do them differently because it's not the same as outdoors. You have to be willing to kind of start over again and figure out how to make it work for in-home images. Well, I think it can be really helpful as a beginner to, when you're not quite sure what you're drawn to or what could work or what to take some of that inspiration from people who are shooting in home, look at their work and try to deconstruct, like, where's the light coming from here? Where is the photographer standing in relation to where the clients are standing and to slow it down and kind of think about that carefully can really help you determine like, and feel prepared going into sessions to try like, oh, this is kind of like that setting that I was studying before. Let me try that. And even just that little bit of like a entry point from someone else's work who's shown you how to do it before, it's not copying. It's just a launching point for you to understand like how the lighting works in a home setting if you've never been in that before. Right. Exactly. I think that's a great point. So let's talk about the other hangup that a lot of photographers have. And you said that is posing in home to make it feel playful, but natural and make it make sense in an in-home setting. So what tips of encouragement or guidance are you giving photographers that are struggling with the in-home posing? So sometimes activity can help. Um, a lot of times photographers will kind of pull that, um, documentary influence in and ask uh, the family to think of an activity that they love to do, whether it's just swinging on the swing set in the backyard or baking cookies or playing a board game or whatever, and incorporating that into your session. So that's always an option, not the whole thing, but just like a piece, again, an entry point for kind of getting the, like breaking the ice. A lot of times you don't have this space in home to do those big actions. Like I'm going to stand over here and you guys all walk towards me or those like class outdoor things. So playfulness just takes a different turn, but it's, it's always like a, like a smaller kind of playfulness. I think like smaller movements and this whole, like ready, set, go type of, um, prompting can be really helpful so that it's not a huge swirling action. It's more of like, okay, on the count of three, we're going to all like tickle your partner, or, um, we're going to pass this kiss around, or we're going to, um, all tackle that (laughs) or whatever, like on the floor, like those are some very basic ones, but, um, you could still have that playfulness, but it's just like a little bit smaller than you would do outdoor. I, um, I kind of always take this like order of operations approach. We talked about the window light first, but it's like light. Then you do the pose, like thinking about the composition, where are we going? And then you add in the prompt. 
So it's sort of like a collection of things that pull that final energy out. And you've got to go through them kind of quickly. But when you add in that prompt, like that's the thing that takes it from a pose to like an action. Um, and again, that's just something that you kind of have to play with in response to the client's energy and what you want to create, meshing it all together. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by The Roundtable, a community built for female photographers who want to continue growing their business while forging industry friendships along the way. In this group, you will learn practical ways to move your business forward while finding community and accountability with like-minded photographers. The Roundtable consists of three main parts, new live trainings that drop every month, a growing vault of all of the past trainings, and of course, the community. Are you curious how it works? Every month, you will get access to three new pieces of content over a broad variety of topics like pricing, editing, goal setting, website reviews, social media, and videos of me behind the scenes at Real Sessions. Members also have the opportunity to learn from incredible guest speakers and industry leaders on a huge variety of topics. I pride myself in giving you just enough education every month to keep you growing and moving forward while not overwhelming you with content. The Membership Vault is such a valuable resource that is honestly more than worth the cost of enrollment on its own. As of today, it has close to 100 trainings and only continues to grow. It literally holds every training from the very beginning of the membership, and not to name drop, but the guest experts that come teach inside this group are industry leaders like Amanda Warfield of Chasing Simple, Maddie Pichong, Coley James, Jade Boyd, and Dawn Richardson of Tech Savvy Creative, just to name a few. So yeah, the education is great, but you can't ignore the community. It is an absolutely incredible group of women just like you. In fact, I'm pretty sure that anyone in the group will tell you that the community is the best part. Consider it your space to ask all the things, get all the support, and make real life business besties. If you're ready to join us, you can head over to sabrinagebhart.com backslash membership and enroll today. Now back to the episode. Yeah, I think some of that comes from um, practice. And again, going back to the model call, um, going into a specific model call saying, okay, with this family, I'm going to try these three prompts and hope to get this type of image. And with this family, I'm going to do these other ones and just practicing. But then part of it is how you prepare your clients. So, um, you know, making sure that you've got questionnaires so that you know about ages and personalities and what they're into and what they're not into, because that's really important. You know, you've got to know the age group and have a age appropriate activities or prompts, right? Um, because not all things land with all ages and all genders. Um, and so part of that is kind of creating like an activity toolbox or a, a prompting toolbox. Um, and that comes with experience. But also if you're a mom thinking through like, well, what were my kids into at these ages? And if you're not a mom or you don't have old enough kids yet to, to do this research, asking friends and family, like, you know, that have three-year-olds, five-year-olds, seven-year-olds, nine-year-olds, whatever the ages are, what are your kids into? What makes them laugh? What are they watching on TV? What are their favorite toys? Because that will give you an indication of kind of a, a subject starting point, you know, like, are we going to play Legos or is that not age appropriate for them? Are we going to bake, like you said, in the kitchen, or is that not age appropriate? Do you have kind of a, a toolbox, a list of things that you 
kind of always go to? I, I do, but I, like you said, it, it definitely there's tailoring that happens for different ages. And I actually shoot a lot with teens and, um, Sometimes with them, what I'll do is just ask the parents, like, do they play any sports? Do they like music? And we'll try to incorporate some of those things. Like I did a session recently with a, a family and the one of the teenage boys was a senior football player and very into it. So at the end of the session, we all went in the backyard and played football for it. Like they played two in touch football for a little bit. It's just like incorporating those things that are actually integral to their family and learning how to ask the right questions to figure out what those things are. Yeah, exactly. So this leads really well into now I want to kind of flip the script and I want to address some of the client hesitations um, I, because I think it's important as a business owner, people who are wanting to get into this, you have to know what those hesitations are so that you can address them in your marketing and in your prep guides and all of that, you want to be able to speak to your clients' fears to get them over the hump so that they're not scared and they're ready to book that in-home session, right? Um, so what are what are the most common fears, I guess, that you're hearing on the client side of things? Mostly it's my home isn't pretty. My home isn't nice or good enough or big enough or whatever that could be. And the most important thing that you can do on the client or on the photographer side to negate that is to show instead of tell. So you can explain all day long about how it's fine and it's going to be great and I've got it. But unless you're showing the diversity of your experience comes from the model calls, comes from you doing a variety of sessions in different kinds of homes. Like if a client is only seeing new build, open concept, huge windows, and they don't have that, they're just going to assume that this isn't for them. So if you want that, and those are the only clients that you want, then great. And you should shoot more of that. But if you want to have a broader depth of portfolio, then you need to show that too. <laughs> so clients, they're so easy to sell these in-home sessions and to invite people to do them when people land on your website and your whatever media outlets you are using and they see you thriving in home sessions <laughs> because they're going to think, oh, this is her thing. And this works like I could be this. They can see themselves in, in your work. So in your client guides, in your website, you just have to lean hard. And it is scary as a photographer to do that because you think that you're alienating the people who want outdoor photos, but maybe all that they want is someone to show them what they, what's possible. And they don't think that anyone can do that for them, you know? So if they're looking for someone who can do in home, but they don't feel like it's a good fit for them or their home, they're nervous about they don't have all their rooms finished. They still have moving boxes. And I shot a whole session in the fall with a family who had moved in to their home that week. And they had moving boxes all over the place. <laughs> when we, when we did their session, I was thrilled about it in our, in our consult call saying, oh, this is going to be so fun for you. This is going to be such an amazing memory for you to have photos like, a re like, let's use the boxes. Let's do it. You know, like just really getting excited about it and your energy can negate all of those fears. Yeah, I agree. I, so I love what you said about, you have to show the diversity. And I think that's really important because people think, oh, well, my Instagram grid has to look perfect and it has to all be the same cohesive type of image or type of style. 
And I'm here to tell you, and I know that Leah is too, that won't change if you start adding in um, in-home images or you, you literally just transition your business to all in-home images. It can still be this cohesive, beautiful thing. You can still have the same types, again, of lighting and of posing and of connection and all of this. Um, but it's really important, like you said, to show them that you can get images that are cohesive to your work, no matter the location. And oftentimes I think the best way to do that is including a pullback of some sort. So whether it's a blog or a reel on Instagram or whatever, here's the image, here's the space or that kind of thing to show them again, that's a confidence builder. It's a, you can trust me because I know how to use light and I know how to do this. And, and in some homes where, like you said, it's a new build with huge windows and white walls, you might have the final shot might be a little bit more of a pullback with a little bit more of the home and the brightness in other homes where it's darker or there's whatever going on in the background that maybe you as the artist don't want, it's going to be tighter. It's going to be closer to a window, but being able to show the pullback to say, look, I can still give you this, even if this is what we're working with, you know, it builds that level of trust. And I think it's really important to not be afraid to show those images and, and what you are working with. Have you ever done those kind of posts and those kind of Instagram stuff. Yeah, definitely. I have actually one of my pin posts is a pullback. Like here's what we were working with and, and here's the final images. I did a whole series last year, um, called big feelings, little houses. It was like a little personal project that I was working on because I wanted to, to demonstrate that like your small space or supposedly alternative (laughs) environment isn't scary to me. It actually is super inspiring. So I did a whole, like anytime I had a family with like a dark home or a a small home, I would do these like pullbacks or like these kind of behind the scenes stories or whatever, and then show the final images and be like, look, like this is available to you. And it's so special. And, and I think that eliminated a lot of fears for people of like, oh, it's not even like something to work around. It's just like, it's my home. Like this is, this is an option for me. (laughs) Right. Right. I love that. I love that. And I do think, you know, you mentioned that you get inspired when you have an opportunity to shoot in a home like that. And, and I do think I agree with you. First of all, I agree with you. Um, I love to have that challenge of, oh, how am I going to work with this? How are we going to use this space uniquely and create these beautiful images? How do I get to play with the light in this situation? But I do think that has come with time because when I first started shooting in home, that would terrify me. You know, if it, when they first would ask to shoot in home, if it was not huge windows, light walls, light furniture. I'd have a little bit of fear, but over time, and again, it's just flexing that muscle. It's putting myself in situation after situation for year after year. Now it's, it's a flipped script. Now, when I have the chance to work with something a little more challenging, or that may seem more challenging, you know, at the, at the get-go, it's exciting. Right. And I love to get to flex the muscle of like, I know what to do here. I can make any situation work. So for the photographer who's listening and is like, okay, guys, I'm sold. I'm going to try this this year. (laughs) They're super intrigued, but they're still a little bit nervous. What advice do you have for her? Um, Where do you recommend she get started? 
there's so much free education out there that you can dive into and just see um, how other people are working with it. I have a blog post um, all about how to photograph families in any home. And there's lots of tips about how to um, deal with different specific scenarios and home environments, things you can say to direct the session, poses you can use, prompts you can use, and just start packing that toolbox. Um, Creative Live, Milky Way Retreat, these help you see, like kind of go along with someone on a shoot virtually, and that can help you build some initial confidence. And, And really those model calls are so valuable because there's zero pressure and it's, you can just consider it like the most worthwhile investment in your business. Like if you're not charging anything for this session, like to just like, this is an investment in the future of my business <laughs> to do this for free because it's for me to practice. And um, continuing education is a crucial element to any career. And so if you want to grow and do develop a new style, you have to, you have to kind of flex that discomfort. And when you don't have uh, money tied to it, you don't have somebody else's expectations or even your own expectations of ways that you've shot before. And you think that they're expecting of you when none of that's necessarily tied to it. And it's just like, look, this is what I'm doing to experiment and in play. It frees you up so much to actually figure things out and, and do things wrong. And if you don't only deliver five images from the session, it's fine. And you know, you, you just need to, to get in there and get your hands dirty a little bit. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, doing model calls is super valuable and it's something that I still do every year, even after 13 years in business, because it gives me an opportunity to create and try new things. But when you're first starting out, especially within home sessions, I think it's so crucial to do a lot of them. You know, I want you to do at least five of them so that you have a variety of sizes of family, sizes of home, lighting, and and all of those things. And I think oftentimes, sometimes model calls get like a bad rap because you're shooting for free, but you need to not look at it as I'm shooting for free as much as this is an investment in my future marketing and my future business, right? It's, it's the same as hiring a mentor or paying to take a course or something. It's an investment of your time that is going to pay itself back later. So, um, and I, I guess, you know, we, we led right into this, so I just have to mention it. I do have a, a new freebie this year and it is called portfolio on purpose. And it is literally the framework for building a successful model call. <laughs> so since we've talked about model calls, um, I will have that linked in the show notes. This is exactly the steps that I use every year when I launch a model call. It's what I use to find models for my retreats. It's how I teach my students to do model calls. Um, it kind of ensures that you're going to get what you want to get out of these sessions and working with these models. So I'll have that linked in the show notes. Um, I want to end with I always ask some like random non-related questions because it's lets people get to know you a little bit more. So we're going to end with those. Uh, what's your favorite current coffee shop order? I wish I could go to coffee shops more. <laughs> Not in my life right now. I'm mostly a black coffee person, but if I am going to a coffee shop, big fan of just like a almond milk, vanilla latte type situation. Yeah, same. I keep it pretty basic unless... That's I'm keeping it pretty basic if I'm going to Starbucks because I don't like to veer off because things get too sweet and complicated. But if I go to a local, like a small business coffee shop, I 
totally veer off into left field. And I'm like, what's your favorite? Like, what's your most recommended drink right now? Like, just, I let them sell me on basically anything. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about a dream vacation. No kids are going money is no object. Where do you want to go? Um, Italy is on the top of our list. Both my husband and I have traveled there before, but in different phases of life when like I was like in high school and he was in the military and we did not get to drink wine in Tuscan villas and all of those luxurious things. So that's at the top of our list for sure. I love that. Italy is pretty high up on mine too, specifically the Amalfi coast. Mm -hmm. Um, I have always wanted to go and I actually have I don't want to go too far into left field with this conversation, but I actually have an itinerary from my grandmother and my grandfather that they went on. And I would like to recreate the itinerary from their trip. Oh my gosh. I love that. That's yeah. I don't even know if any of these places are still open or available, but I just think that would be so magical to have a travel agent, like just put that itinerary for my husband and I to do so. Okay. Thinking back over the course of your business, what is a decision or an investment that you made that you think was the biggest game changer? Um, okay. There are two. Can I share two? Yeah. (laughs) Um, so I've pivoted a lot, like I kind of mentioned earlier. So what the first one was that right before COVID and my middle son was born, I hired a studio manager Um, I had, I was anticipating this exponential growth. I was expecting to take this maternity leave at the beginning of 2020. And because it just happened to be like the year no one expected, I all of a sudden had an employee and um, having someone depend on me like that in my business, um, I was expecting it obviously, but not with the strain that came with that year. And it, it really forced me to get super serious and figure out what I was doing. Um, so I got really creative. I got more organized. I got really clear about my vision, what I wanted. I learned about delegating and communicating. I learned all of these things like on a high intense curve. (laughs) So ultimately when she moved away, I didn't need to fill that position again, because we had kind of worked our way out of it. Like I had got, I'd figured out how to work so lean, um, and it just made this huge traje- like difference in the trajectory of my business. Um, and then the second one was my the first investment that I ever made in a mastermind. And I did I did Brooke Schultz's Love Soaked Retreat, and um, just that was the first time that I did in person small group education. And I was like, oh. I get it. Like, this is what works for me, like way more than any online course, way more than any PDF guide that I could ever have taken. Um, There's something about being in the room with people. And you know this, obviously, (laughs) but like when you've been in business for as long as I have, and anyone else can attest to this, like you hit these plateaus where, you know, at the beginning, we talked about this, like you get that itch of like, "Mm, what's the next thing for me? And, um, though that mastermind and that sort of like leveled up growth was a huge, huge turning point for my business. Yeah. When, when people ask me this question, I, that's the same answer that I give is 
Um, there's a year that I finally pulled the trigger and stopped just relying on Google and YouTube and blogs and free education. And I paid a lot and I did three in-person experiences within one calendar year. Um, one was a one day intimate workshop. One was a conference and one was a three day intimate mastermind, uh, with a lot of hands-on and, the the mastermind one was definitely the most valuable, but the combination of the three. And like you said, it's, it's a combination of, um, being in the room with people, um, and just being inspired and being able to ask questions and share stories and then being able to learn hands-on from an expert. There is literally nothing like it. There's, there's nothing like it. And the community too, with like that small group of people and that, yes support, you know, we work so much by ourselves in mm -hmm. our day life. And so, you know, when I hired my studio manager back in 2020, one of the reasons I think that I did it was because I was just so tired of doing everything by myself. I yeah. hadn't really thought through like, oh, wait, there are other ways to to find this community. I don't have yeah. to go to a team if I don't want to. And I thought that was the trajectory of my business, but I, I, it wasn't. And I think that that in-person education showed me that like, there's a whole world of support and friendship and community and industry, like positivity here that we can lean on each other for that I wasn't taking advantage of at all. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And and again, that's something that until someone makes the investment of time and or money to be in these groups, they you don't realize what you're missing until you until you have it. And then you're mm -hmm. like, oh my oh, gosh, I was so lonely. Yes. I was <laughs> so lonely. I was lacking support and that you don't realize how good it can be until you're on the other side. So last question. Um, if you were not in photography and coaching, what do you think you'd be doing? I, I'd probably be a middle school English teacher <laughs> because that is actually what my degree is in. I went to school to be a middle school English teacher and never made it to the classroom. So it's funny that I'm kind of wrapping that back around now, but that's probably the path that I would be on today. <laughs> I love that. I love that it's specific middle school. Um, I always <laughs> say that the people that are called to teach that age group are so special. Like they have something that other educators don't have. Uh, and now that I have one of my kids has been through middle school and is in high school now, and I have one in middle school right now, it is so apparent the, <laughs> the, the educators they have that are, they're just really called and drawn to that age group. So I love that. Uh, before we go today, I want you to share where people can connect with you and how they can work with you. Sure. I, uh, they can find me on my website. My business is Firefly Photography. So my website is LO Leah O'Connell firefly.com. I have a page there for education. I have a couple different offers for mentoring there. My Instagram is uh, firefly photo underscore Leah. I'm sure she'll have links for all of this stuff to yes. find me and work with me. So <laughs> reach out if you have any questions. I also have a Facebook group, a free Facebook group. Um, it's a really intimate collection of people. And I often share behind the scenes gallery walkthroughs there. So that's another great resource for people. If you kind of just want to be a fly on the wall and see like how images are deconstructed. I, I do that a lot because I find that it's helpful to see like how these images got made. And so that's one thing that we talk about a lot in the group too. So you can always join, join me in there. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here and sharing all, all of your knowledge. I knew this was a great chat. I can't wait to get the feedback from the listening audience. So with that, this is a wrap and we'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening to the Shoot It Straight podcast. 
You can find all the full show notes and details from today's episode at sabrinagebhardt.com backslash podcast. Come find me and connect over on the gram at Sabrina Gebhardt Photography. If you're loving the podcast, I'd be honored if you hit that subscribe button and leave me a review. Until next time, my friends, shoot it straight.